You're listening to Pit Pass F1. My name's Michael Laminato, and this is Practice Day at the 2024 Bahrain Grand Prix. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcast. And on today's episode, another twist in the Christian Horner saga. An anonymous email is circulating through the paddock, purporting to be evidence from the Red Bull investigation into alleged inappropriate behaviour. Horner denies the allegations. Meanwhile, on track, practice delivered an unexpectedly close field, led by Mercedes and not Red Bull Racing, promising a potentially unpredictable qualifying, with some caveats. And on the first day of official on-track running of the season, a little bit of additional insight into the struggles of Haas and Williams during a big off-season. For more on the first day of practice in 2024, it's over to Chris Medland in the paddock at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Hello again, everybody. Chris Medland here with you once again to wrap up practice day at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Practice day being a Thursday this weekend, so don't worry, you've not missed an episode. We are just a day earlier with everything this way round. And you might have been expecting me to get stuck into what happened on track, but I'm afraid we're going to start again with off track matters. And once again, we're going to be talking about Christian Horner, the Red Bull team principal, because After yesterday's announcement from Red Bull GmbH, the parent company that owns Red Bull Racing, that the grievance had been dismissed against Horner, who had been alleged to have shown inappropriate behaviour towards a colleague, well, there was another twist in the tale today. And a very bizarre moment occurred uh, as FP2 was going on, actually, when multiple members of the media, uh, including myself, within the media centre, received an email from an anonymous source uh, going by the name of Feb 29th because we're on a leap year day uh, with a Google Drive link containing 79 files of what was claimed to be evidence that was part of the independent investigation that Red Bull carried out. Now, I won't go into the details of what was in this because cannot verify the actual legitimacy of the contents. So without being able to fully prove that the contents were relating to the investigation and were actual evidence and did exist, it would be wrong to go into those details. But uh, Christian Horner did put out a statement soon after saying he won't comment on anonymous speculation, but to reiterate, I've always denied the allegations. I respected the integrity of the independent investigation and fully cooperated with it every step of the way. A direct quote of that statement there. So he said he wouldn't comment on what had come out, but certainly what had come out that was alleged to have been part of that investigation and and evidence was circulating within the Formula One paddock. This email went to over 100 different figures within the Formula One paddock, uh, and we're talking at the highest level as well. Uh, This went to FIA bosses, Formula One bosses, team principals, so... Somebody was clearly trying to reach a lot of people with this alleged material. But as far as Red Bull GmbH are concerned, the independent investigation was finalised and they made a decision and dismissed the grievance. So it now comes down to whether Formula One or the FIA are going to look into this any further if Red Bull GmbH are not looking into it any further. And even if this was legitimate evidence and it's evidence, therefore, that they had seen 
but there were rival team principals that were calling on the governing body to seek further details of the investigation, even prior to the circulation of the files. So Zach Brown and Toto Wolf uh, had said that there needed to be more transparency uh, and they wanted uh, the whole issue looked into because then uh, essentially the cloud that's hanging over the sport at the moment would hopefully be lifted if there were more answers. So that's where we stand at the moment. Uh, and it does really feel like this has a long, long way to run. Turning to matters on track now, uh, a bit like we were doing uh, belatedly on yesterday's pod, but uh, it was actually pretty exciting for an opening day, starting with the fact that Daniel Ricciardo was fastest in FP1 for Visa Cash App RB, VCarb, RB, whatever you want to call them, Minardi, AlphaTauri, Toro Rosso, any of the above. But yes, Ricardo fastest in FP1. Some people have been tipping that team to be dark horses this year. Sadly, the first practice session is not representative at all. It takes place in the middle of the day when it's sunny and hot uh, and it was very windy. Uh, the wind is always stronger in the day or usually stronger in the day. And that was the case today. Then when the floodlights took over and we had the second practice session, uh, which is at 6pm local time. So uh, the sun's gone down, it's gone dark. It's the same time that the race will take place. Uh, the session ends when qualifying will start tomorrow. All of that means that it's the only representative practice session. Well, for that one, it was Mercedes leading the way. It was a Mercedes 1-2 with Lewis Hamilton two tenths of a second quicker than teammate George Russell. Uh, and that was a surprise. That was a surprise for Hamilton himself. Uh, he did say that it was a shock for it to have gone so well in terms of one lap pace uh, and that he hadn't been expecting the car to be quite so competitive over one lap. Now, Max Verstappen was half a second off Hamilton's time uh, in FP2, uh, but he wasn't particularly concerned by that. He did say they had a bit of work to do in terms of the car's balance on low fuel, but that Red Bull had been experimenting with different things and suggested that some of their rivals had been running their engines a little more aggressively than maybe you'd normally would see during a practice session. So the, the insinuation was that Mercedes had turned its power unit up because Verstappen said he wasn't phased by the gap or wasn't even worried by the gap to P1. But there were other cars in between them. Fernando Alonso was in there. We had Ferraris in there. Oscar Piastri was in that mix as well. So we had a number of different teams uh, that were showing up competitively at the front. And Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen both said it looks like it's going to be really, really close in qualifying and then we're going to have a proper fight on our hands and that it will be entertaining and good for people to watch. So I think automatically that is a step forward. When it came to race pace, though, Red Bull still did look very strong. Uh, Verstappen had a bit of an advantage at certain points towards the end of the run when tyre degradation was coming in. Uh, it was nearly as big as half a second, but uh, that is not necessarily the true picture. Quite often we find that the margins have halved when you get actually to a Sunday because of the way that the tracks evolved and teams have then been able to hone and improve their setups. So that would suggest we could have teams within striking distance of Red Bull, I would say. Uh, and a couple of them were particularly happy. Uh, that would be Ferrari and McLaren. Their race pace looked pretty strong as well. They were the two that appeared closest to Red Bull from what we saw. Um, there were some strong long runs that were completed by both teams uh, and some fairly optimistic comments coming out after that session, but also a little bit of 
wariness that they felt we thought Red Bull would be a bit further ahead than this and they're not so maybe we have to almost take it with a pinch of salt uh, and wait to see a how qualifying pans out and where the raw pace is for everyone when everyone turns it up but b you know it's only going to be in the race situation when Red Bull shows a bit more of its hand uh, and perhaps it does have more to show than rivals but up to now based on the evidence that we've had in practice it is looking more encouraging and Lewis Hamilton said that Mercedes can improve its race pace as well to get closer to Red Bull he believes Uh, James Allison I think was another one who was actually quietly optimistic of that so Mercedes don't think they're out of the fight either uh, and it's going to be really close and really exciting at the very least for the last spot on the podium but potentially for more Somewhere else it was looking quite interesting, actually, though, uh, was at the back of the field because Haas had come into this weekend looking like the 10th quickest team. They'd been talking their chances down even before pre-season started. But then we got into the practice sessions and at certain times Haas did look slow, at other times not so much. And needs flagging that Nico Hülkenberg was half a second off the pace in seventh place. And uh, in FP2, that was so in the representative running. And that really stood out again as in line with the performance Haas had last year when they're very quick over one lap. Now, when I mentioned about how Max Verstappen was suggesting certain teams might have turned an engine up, it really did look like that might have been the case at Haas as well. Obviously, if Haas runs the engine higher, then Ferrari can kind of see the impact of the power unit being run at a higher mode in those conditions so it's good data for all of the Ferrari powered teams but it was just a bit more encouraging for Haas it kind of felt like okay in qualifying there's no clear slowest car uh, who knows about race pace whether it will be good enough to really fight with any others this weekend but um just some positive signs which were good to see from a team that had been really talking itself down after Gunter Steiner was replaced by Ayo Komatsu in the off-season and it was really looking to rebuild after a tough 2023. Just finally, a bit of an anecdote for how the day started on Thursday at the circuit. Uh, Williams hosted a media breakfast, which is always welcome, some free food, uh, down at its hospitality unit. And it was so that we could speak to James Valls and Pat Fry about just the state the team is in, the winter, where they were going. Uh, a really nice chance to have an off-record chat, uh, discuss lots of different matters like Netflix and uh, you know, spending in the team and things like that, just that maybe we got some more honest answers than uh, you normally get when it's on record. But then during an on-record spell afterwards, both were very, very candid about how difficult the off-season had been for Williams. Uh, Essentially, James Val said he'd learned through last year how certain areas lagged behind rival teams in terms of being able to monitor car parts and building a whole new car. It used to have an Excel spreadsheet that listed all of the car parts, which was very, very difficult to navigate, but was a very basic way of doing such a thing. So he changed the way Williams could build its car over the winter uh, and changed the software that they were using to track the car build, but also said the team was not going to be allowed to fall back on any kind of backup ideas uh, to just to get the car ready for testing. For example, uh, if parts weren't manufactured in time and, and the team was going to run out of time, that they would just use old parts in certain places. Uh, and that meant you had a car to run, but of course it was slower because it was an old part. Uh, or manufacturing parts out of metal rather than carbon fibre because of, of time constraints. Uh, James Val said he removed uh, all of those opportunities to 
fall back on those things, took away the safety nets and said, you know, this team needs to build a car and it needs to build it properly. Uh, and it sounded like it led to a huge amount of stress. Now, Williams look in decent shape. Uh, and as you may well remember, we're, we're plenty competitive enough last year as well. So what Vowles then took from that was as downbeat as he kind of was with how tough it had been and Pat Fry the same, really tough winter. He said he hopes he never has to experience again. Both were saying it shows the potential in Williams that the people are great. They just don't have the right processes in place. And if you can improve the processes, you can save a lot of money, but you can also find a huge amount of lap time. We're talking tenths of a second. So uh, there was some real positivity coming out of the team, but it sounds like that's only been born out of some real pains over the last few months. So it'll be interesting to see how they progress through the year. But it'll also be interesting to see how everybody stacks up come qualifying when we really turn it up and see for the first time pure performance from all 10 cars in 2024 and I'll be back to wrap up how that goes tomorrow That was Chris Medland who'll be bringing you the latest from the Bahrain paddock all this weekend You can find more from Chris on social media just check the link in the show description And you can stay up to date throughout the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. You can also find us at pitpassmotorsports.com where you can check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. My name's Michael Laminato and we'll be back with qualifying tomorrow. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.